And it is official. We are back! Woohoo! <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just putting on my other fresh sock. Yeah, can you explain to the dear readers oh, what sure. so, is going on? Dear readers, I'm putting on a fresh pair of socks because Matt told me that, um, Matt says that the toxins are released from your skin and they go into your socks. So if you have the same pair of socks on all day, you kind of feel toxic. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, I was waiting dun, for it. Have you heard to put onions on your bottom of your feet and socks over and that's supposed to pull all the toxins out? That sounds super uncomfortable. I'm not going to be onion foot all day. It Well, I think it's when you sleep at night. But I think I like the idea. It feels like an Alexander McQueen shoe of having like an onion <laughs> on the bottom of your foot. figure this stuff out is what I want to know. I feel like it's Eastern medicine. Like when I was pregnant with Koa, I had strep B. So I had to get on antibiotics when I went to the hospital. But Brianna was very against it. And she told me to just put garlic in my vagina. <laughs> I was like, how do you know that? Who's the first person that was like, you know what I'm going to try? Wait, you know what? I? It sounds crazy, but I'm just going to try it. Let's just see what happens. So when Griffin came out, was he like, a little bit of spice? <laughs> no, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, who's who's the person that's like, I got a great idea. I bet it was a cannibal who tried that first. My bet is a kid's a cannibal. You know what that reminds me of? Um, All of the cannibal stories that we've done. The story that I heard recently, which is like one of those kind of gone viral what are they called when they're like old wives tales urban legends yes so it was like that and it was the story of a girl that goes to a baseball game with a guy and they like get romantic and they end up going home together and he uh what's the thing called where you like jizz all over a girl's face why do we know this? Is it like bukkake or something? Whatever. He does that. She gets a rash and goes to the doctor and they're like this is from a certain parasite. And she, like, embarrassingly explains what happened. And they're like, that's weird. His sperm would only have this parasite if he was having sex with dead bodies. <gasps> <laughs> but I, don't worry. I think it's an urban legend. But um, I was oh. like, that would be a really rough date. For I don't know many if recover reasons. from that. Oh, uh, that means... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I think I... Got a soft topic. You blew really your quick. load. Is Not what you did. Was... You blew your load right up top. Hold on, let me take my headphones off. He blew his load. I blew mine. I mean, I'm so sorry to bring that up. No, it's okay. I forgive you. I also heard a friend of. I'm not gonna. I don't know who. I'm, I don't even know who this is. But I heard of a friend who's their friend. Long story. Basically, it's Ferris Bueller. My friend told her dad, and then her friend, then her dog walker. No, it was a friend of a friend. And apparently, he had all these, like, medical maladies, and he couldn't figure out what it was. And Mm -hmm. he had to take, like, antibiotics. He had all these things going on, and it all culminated in that he had parasites, and he was shitting out worms. And the worms would go, like, 18 to 20 inches in length that he had to shit out. Oh, my God. Is this the episode we just tell stories of random things? (laughs) This is, yeah, this is this whole episode. (laughs) Just kidding. Come on. You guys can still listen. In fact, if you are listening, dear listeners, I want to thank our new Patreons. We have uh, Mm -hmm. since we last Carrie and I haven't been together in a while. This is like our reunited and it feels so good episode. Very. And also, I got to meet your son just now, just now. And he has the cutest fucking dimple I've ever seen. He's extremely handsome. It's very intimidating. It's weird, though, because he knows it. So he's a little bit kind of a dick. He's a little cocky about it. Like he he was like smiling at me and I was like, is this for me or is this like at me? Like, that was for you. Well, I didn't know if it was performing. I I didn't know how where he was and like if he really wanted me to join him or he was performing. Right. It's hard to say. It's hard to say with him. He's three months. (laughs) Two. Well, you know how I feel about that. About that age. (laughs) Two months. You get it. Well, I want to thank Amanda and Ashley and Jessica, our three new Patreon subscribers. Um, Also, I want to thank separately from them. Amanda, who is our Patreon subscriber, and Jamie are two gals that uh, posted about us. You made our 
day. I don't you think you understand how much you made our day. It made us, you said you wanted to be our best friends and we're, we didn't come here to make friends, but that's just an extra bonus. So consider us yeah, your best friends. Yeah, we got clear. We didn't come here to make friends. We didn't come we here, came here to make, make a We came podcast. here to make a podcast. However, if we make a podcast and then make some friends. That like, seems allowed. That's like a side effect. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it but at all. But I didn't all. come here for that. I'll tell you what I am mad at. Hmm. You ready for this? Yeah. I have some news oh. about how the podcast is doing. First of all, I'm going to start with the good news, which is we're number 218 <gasps> in Finland. <laughs> in true crime. You know my <laughs> You know that my dad has friends in Finland. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, oh, Ipama. My dad's name is Harry. So, like, there must be a misspelling. And then they listen to this and they're like, oh, fuck, this is not Harry Ipama. Oh, if you were in Finland and you listen to us, thanks so much for getting us on the chart. Number 218, babe. Number 218, motherfucker. What? In bad news, we have only had a lot of love on uh, Apple as far as our ratings. Well, because we pay people to do it. Because we, yeah, we, obviously. And we blackmail our friends. It's fine. But we got a really mean review this week, and it's at the top of the reviews, and it's a one-star review from someone that calls themselves just a common man. Is just a common man. Just a common man is the person that left this review, and the title of the review is Crime Junkies Podcast is Better, and the body of the review is This is Straight Up Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Um, In case you didn't see a story recently, I just was telling Quinn how much I care what people think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's so mean. You um, know, I... That really, I want to say, first of all, you really hurt our feelings, just a common man. Not that you're listening. Mostly it's just a common man who does hurt my feelings. Um, also... No disrespect to Crime Junkie. I, I, but but I, Ashley Flowers, please stop leaving us bad reviews. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Listen, I, I... Here's the thing. If you are... Who has the time, A though? woman... Just a or common a woman. a rare man, please leave us a nice review on Apple. We could really use we the emotional some, boost yeah, straight up right love. now. That, no, but seriously, it's very easy and fast to leave us a review. And so if you're on a bike right now, dad... Just pull over to the side of the road, <laughs> go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. It takes two seconds. You don't even have to write anything. You know what? You can write, give us five stars, give us anything. Give us more than one star and write, not totally garbage. <laughs> That's all. Just refute you just, it. You know what you should say? Give it five stars and then just say, the common man was wrong. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> If you're washing dishes, dry your I hands just, off. You know, and again, takes a like, second. We might not be your speed. That's okay. That's fine. Then stop listening. I have a suggestion. Don't listen to the free podcast <laughs> that I spend six hours on a week <laughs> creating for you. That's my suggestion, common man. I thought of a new segment we should do. What is it? It's called Out of Date Update. <laughs> because we're always recording like later than the or or I don't know how time works, well, but for the record, we dear record readers, and then way later the episode drops. For the record, this last time was because Quinn took a maternity leave. We are not paid, but this was a respected maternity leave. This because was an unpaid. This is an unpaid maternity leave. <laughs> Where we still released an episode every week. We still did it, but it was an unpaid maternity leave. <laughs> what I wanted to say was you covered that amazing story about Fen's treasure. And since then, it was found. No, it was already found when you did yeah. the story. They released who found it. Remember, did? he didn't want to go public. He went public. Interesting. He went public. I think it was a legal thing that he went public, but he did go public. Anyway, you see what I'm saying about an out-of-date update. It's like, this happened. Let me see. I want to see the man who found... I'm surprised I didn't get that in my suggested stories. Okay, December 7th, this man... Was like, okay, it was me. I found the treasure. Wait. The guy that found it is named Jack Stoof. He's a 32-year-old from Michigan and a medical student. And oh, good for him. Yeah. A med student? 32 years old. 32? I feel bad because there are people that gave up their lives to do this. And a 32-year-old... I mean... And he didn't look the first eight years the book was out about where the treasure was. He just found it in 2018. So it took him two years. A lot of people spent 10 years looking for it. Yeah. 
He said he thought about it a couple hours a day, every day since learning about it. Oh, wow. And he felt like a kid again, which is, I think, was exactly the intention. Yeah, I think it's really sweet. Anyway, congratulations. And And whoever you, I mean, I hope it's worth a lot. I hope you paid off your medical debt. I hope you're also free of coronavirus. And I hope that you are doing your part to take care of the world. You deserve a little treasure. Yeah. If we could share all the treasure with the frontline workers, let's do it. Uh oh. Oh no. Is he a murderer? Do we get another bad review? He made a tasteless joke about one of Sarah Palin's children having Down syndrome while he was freelancing for BuzzFeed, and then he had to apologize. Who? The guy? Yeah. Oy. Oy. Uh, okay, I don't know. <laughs> well, he left the media say- business soon after. He left the what? The media business. I guess he worked for BuzzFeed. He worked for BuzzFeed and then he became a doctor. <laughs> I'm confused. And then found a treasure? This guy sounds made up. Doesn't he? Yeah. Here's the thing. We cannot condone who this person is. What we will say is that the treasure was found and he went public. Good. That's all we can say. And that's your out-of-date update. That's your out-of-date update. Good. Oh, good. Okay. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, we haven't seen each other in many moons, but many we did. Moons. Actually, we have, though, because we worked that really weird online gig together. Oh, my God. We haven't talked about that online gig. OK, we'll talk about this online gig and then we have to get to our stories. OK, OK. Quinn and I participated. In the, I got a text message from Matt going, hey, Carrie, do you want to do this improv show? It pays X amount of dollars and a decent like more money than we probably and it was a good amount of money. And I said, sure, okay, what do I do? And he said, I have no idea. I said, great, sign me up. So essentially what it is, is it's Gather or Twitch. I don't know. It's Gather. It's Gather. Yeah. And Twitch is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) My least favorite pillow is the name of the program. (laughs) Like Gather is chasing me everywhere. I can't get away from Gather. I didn't even realize that that's so fucking good. (laughs) So Gather you know is what? watching us. We gather is watching us. So we had to basically improvise, play a character. I played. It was basically a corporate party where we were there for people to talk to and get directions in a virtual online landscape if they wanted them. Or do like interactive improv. Or do interactive improv with us. They did not want to do that with us for the most part. So I just became a tour guide. Carrie was a ro- from the Roaring Twenties. I played Great Gatsby era. I, but I just had a martini glass and I rolled up a paper for a cigarette and I just talked like, <laughs> I talk like this, see? <laughs> and I just the whole time I said, well, if you do this, darling, then you go over to your right and then you make a left and then there you go. That's how I spoke. It was very charming. It set a really nice party atmosphere. Matt wore a Santa hat and got drunk. <laughs> I... Was feeding Griffin. Was breastfeeding Griffin (laughs) in a way where the computer was showing just my face and you couldn't tell. And I was um, dressed as like um, a psychic with like a long wig and a band over my head. I mean, listen, I took a screenshot of this. I'll definitely post it on our socials. Did you take a screenshot of all of us? Yeah, of you and Matt. Oh, my God, I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah, I have to definitely post it. We got to work it. I got to get in there. Work it. Own it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Gather. It's a remix. That's a, oh, <laughs> speaking of out-of-date update, Kim and Kanye might be O-V-E-R. And a better out-of-date update. After that birthday present, ap- hologram, <laughs> get out of town. The best is when the late Robert Kardashian says that Kanye is a big genius. The whole, <laughs> did you see that? No. He said, what did he say? Wait, I need to, I don't know the exact quote, but essentially there's the hologram of Kim's late father. And she's like, and you married a super duper genius, Kanye. So Kanye. (laughs) Super duperty duper. It was like, he's a big, big genius. I don't know what adjectives he used, but Kanye wrote the speech. He wrote a bigly. Kanye wrote the speech and included a compliment. To himself. Respect, Kanye. Respect. Kanye, and then... Would have done the same. (laughs) And also an out-of-date update. Yesterday was the inauguration. Yes. And how great was Amanda Gorman, that poet? Oh, Oh, I have no words. You know what? I'm going to end the episode 
with a poem my mom sent me about the inauguration. Oh, my God. So stay tuned, dear readers. Yeah. By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creepily. I'm Quinlan Bosner. And I'm Carrie Ipema. And this is Garbage. (laughs) (laughs) JK, JK, it's the best. So the story that I'm going to tell is... Um, the story of Blanche Monnier. Oh, we oui, we. Oui. Oh, Blanche so Monnier. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Mine's an oldie too. Twin sisters. This is. I got my info from Vintage News, Wikipedia History Collection, and then you're gonna be really shocked when I say this. What? A really long, serious article from JSTOR. JSTOR is how I went through college. I know, but have you, like, gone back? It's a very adult thing to do, unlike looking at Wikipedia. Don't you need a um, login? I had to pretend I was in college. You are a con woman. But they were just like, where do you go to school? And I was just like... Where'd you say? I said Sarah Lawrence. I mean, I used to go there. Yeah. What are they going to do? Go there and look for me? And they they just let you in as honor system? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I'm at J. Crew again and I give them I still have my student ID and I always show a J. Crew because they give you fifteen percent off. So you're trying to get and in a J. Well. Crew, I'm trying to get in a J store. Just a We're 15% fucking off. trying our best. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, girls gotta eat. This article was great. It was called The Confined Woman of Poitiers and it was by Benjamin Ivory and Andre Guide. They sound legitimate like legitimate people because mm. it's J store, so it's actually like peer reviewed. It was legit. So let me tell you this story. In uh, and the reason I did this story, by the way, is that I found a picture that goes with the story, and the picture is so apeshit that I was like, I actually have to now just do the story because the picture is so crazy. What is the picture of? We'll get to that, sister. I'm so excited. In 1901, an anonymous letter arrives at the Poitiers police station. That a young woman is being held captive at 21 Rue de la Visitation. Oh, yeah. Fluent. Yeah. The letter um, says, Monsieur Attorney General, I have the honor to inform you of an exceptionally serious occurrence. I speak of a spinster who is locked up in Madame Monnier's house, half starved, and living on a putrid litter for the past 25 years, in a word, in her own filth. Wait a minute. A 21-year-old was living there the past 25 years? This translation was done on Google? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> sorry. Where'd you get 21-year-old? You said 21-year-old in the beginning. No, the, that's the street. She was being held captive at 21 Rue de la Visitation. That's the fucking oh, I'm sorry, address, my dude. French is <laughs> not good. Well, that was in English, but <laughs> I I translated it in my head to French, though. I don't know if you know. I did it quick, and I don't. And speak then you did French. it back to English, and that's where the confusion came from. And that's again where I was coming from. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> quiet street in Poitiers is what we're dealing with. That's Rue de la Visitation. It's a quiet little street. It's an upper middle class fam that lives there. They're like the fucking aristocrats. Um, not the Aristocats, by the way. She knew what joke I wanted to make, and I even saw it in your eyes. I saw your eyes light up, and I was like, don't do it. So the head of the household is Madame Monnier de Marconi. Totally a cartoon Disney name. She's a widow. She lives with her daughter, her son, and a bunch of servants. The daughter was cutie pie little girl. But then as she got older, there were kind of rumors, whispers, what have you, that maybe she was not totally okay. Maybe she had something wrong with her. The mom actually, Madame Manier, admits her to a hospital. And then I don't know if it was that like she didn't want to be chit-chatted about. Mm-hmm. So she's like, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. Brings her home and is like, I'll take care of her here. She does have the help of a servant, Madame Renard. And Madame Renard is a big deal servant. She actually received a medal from the Committee of Good Works at the request of the son. Oh, which wow. it's like in high society. That was a big honor, uh, a way you could honor your maid. But the thing about it was also sort of a way you could honor just your household or yourself. So it would be sort of like if I, like, nominated Koa for, like, 
a really stable family award or something. <laughs> best like, mom. Koa's best Koa son. has such a good mom. <laughs> like if I was walking around saying that. I mean, I did just watch Bridgerton, so I do know what you mean. There's rumors in the neighborhood that there's strange sounds coming from the house. Shouts for help and stuff like that. Um, and then that was kind of just rumor, but now this letter, you know? So the chief superintendent's like, I'm going to go to the house and investigate. And they knock on the door and a servant answers. And they're like, hey, what's up? Is Madame Monnier here? And the servant's like, oh, she's not receiving visitors. She's in bed. And it's like two in the afternoon. So jealous. Um, the officer's like, actually, I do have to talk to her stat. So go get her. And the servant's like, OK. So she goes to Madame Monnier's room and then comes back and clearly... Madame does not wish to speak to them because she's like, listen, if you really have to talk to somebody, maybe just go across the street. That's where her son lives. You can talk to her son. So someone answers that door and is like, oh, Marcel, he's really sick. And the officer's like, really? Really? Like, enough. Give me a break. Go get Marcel. Um, So they get Marcel to come to the door and they're like, hey, we got this letter that is really weird about maybe your sister being held hostage in the house. Mm Mm-hmm. And Marcel's like, what you have just said is terrible calumny. Calumny? I think that's the English word for bullshit. Anyway, Marcel's like, that's bullshit. And even if it's not, obviously, I don't live with them. I have nothing to do with it. I don't know what they're up to. I mind my own beeswax. He's just like definitely. Yeah, he's denying. He's denying and he's being like, I'm a good guy. And the officer's you know, basically like, oh, really? You're a good guy? Why don't you nominate yourself for an award? Oh, wait, you already did. <laughs> <laughs> now let me see your damn sister. So Marcel's like, okay, well, she has like a really bad fever. Um, so I'd have to give <laughs> her doctor's permission. is so good about being like, I'm just going to pass the buck. It's like yeah. hot potato, this family. It's, they're good, though. So he's like, really, though, you have to ask my mom. It's her house, her rules. Why do you think I moved out? Um, so they go back to the mom's house and she's like not that keen on it, but she is basically for her own fucking reason agrees and is finally like, yeah, come on in. They go up to the third floor where the daughter's room is and they try to enter the room. But as soon as they go in it, the smell hits them like a ton of bricks and it's like so intense that they go in, they go right back out. And then they have to be like, whoa, wasn't expect. Okay, wasn't expecting that. All right, let's go back in. And then they go back in. And Blanche is in there, totally naked. She hides her body and face under a blanket. She's now 50 years old and has not seen daylight for 25 years. And this, like, even just them coming in was, like, so much for her to handle. She's freaked out. She's screaming. She's covered in food and shit, and there's bugs everywhere on the bed with her, on the floor. She weighs 55 <gasps> pounds. No. I know. Her mother? Her mother. So, oh, yeah. That's so wild. Okay. One of the police officers writes down this statement. We immediately gave the order to open the casement window. So the window to the street, like, is barricaded. It's, like, blocked up. This was done with great difficulty. The old dark curtains fell a heavy shower of dust. To open the shutters, it was necessary to remove them from their hinges. So the window hasn't been opened this whole time, and it's, like, boarded shut. The unfortunate woman was lying completely naked on a rotten straw mattress. All around her was formed a sort of crust made from excrement, fragments of meat, vegetables, fish, and rotten bread. We also saw oyster shells and bugs running across Mademoiselle Monnier's bed. The air was so unbreathable. The odor given off by the room was so rank that it was impossible for us to stay any longer to proceed with our investigation. Wow. So crazy. Like, they're like... She was like... Decom- decomposing in there. But it's like a scene that they needed to investigate and they're even like, I actually totally can't. Let's go downstairs and talk in the parlor. This is fucking nuts. And I can't breathe. So obviously they're like, 
I think Blanche should go to the hospital pretty much right away. And the mom's like, yeah, she doesn't own any clothes or underwear. (laughs) They're like, well, that's normal. The mom, by the way, dressed totally normal. The rest of the house totally clean. So it's not like this is how we do it. Um, They order the room that Blanche was in to get disinfected so that they can go back in and take some notes. But they can't even go in there. It's too gross. So they take Blanche to the hotel du hospital. Du? Hotel du? It's just D in like a... Maybe they just take her to the hospital? Yeah. <laughs> they take Blanche to the... Ho- Thank you. They take Blanche to the hospital. Um, and the doctors are like, maybe she's going to die because she's so thin. And they give her a bath. And she keeps saying how lovely it is to be clean and how thankful she is to be free. And it's like they, she still can't even deal with, like, the sunlight because she's so sensitive to it. It, like, hurts her eyes. So they go back. Finally, the room's been disinfected. They go back to the house. And it's, like, fucking still nasty. But they can at least walk around and take some notes. And they see notes that she wrote on the wall that say things like, Make beauty nothing of love or freedom. Always solitude. One must live and die in jail all one's life. And there's a piece of wallpaper that said, some the children there are some of them who are much preferred. So she's not like a poet. It's not. Again, doesn't this totally is a translation. It could have been could really be. beautiful. Could have been beautiful French. once. Speaking of beautiful ones, Blanche used to be like super hot French socialite. Like, and this was a well-respected family. So in 1876. She was what? She was Emily in Paris. She was the OG Emily in Paris. She was Blanche in captivity. Um, In 1876, she was 25 years old, and she falls in love with this older lawyer who lives nearby, and she wants to marry him. And her mom's like, no, no fucking way. You're my daughter. You can't marry a penniless lawyer. I don't know what being a lawyer was back then. Maybe Maybe it was not respected. he was like a public defendant, and like, you know, that's not where the money is. No. He was just a notary. (laughs) He was a notary public. (laughs) <laughs> that was lawyer but French. they translated it to lawyer mm-hmm. um jstor i'm really questioning you <laughs> jstor so the mom's like i'm gonna do everything i can to prevent the marriage and she at first just like tries to talk blanche out of it but it doesn't work and then after that blanche sort of just disappears off the face of the fucking earth or at least off the face of paris and none of her friends can get in touch with her wow yeah, but but the mom and brother are just continuing to live their daily lives. So they're still in public and around, and soon people just stop asking about Blanche. She's, like, forgotten. Oh, that's awful. Um, so they interview Marcel, the brother, and they say, aren't you impressed? I am horrified, but I never saw anything except from outside. Knowing that Blanche was nude, I never looked at her out of a sense of decency. I only saw her hair. So this situation is completely new to you? And he says, I didn't imagine it. I was far from thinking it. Your sister, taken to the hospital, showed pleasure at being washed and breathing clean air. She exclaimed how lovely it is. And he says, at the time she stayed In her mother's house, Blanche had a great aversion to light. She couldn't stand it. It was according to her instincts. And they say, you only had to show a sign of will. And the brother says, my mother was mistress of her household. And he, again, just keeps saying that nothing was done against uh, Blanche's will, basically. And that she was kept there uh, of her own own, Yeah. Wow. Tell me they didn't believe him. Well, then they're like, because this is like the late 1800s. So, or I'm sorry, it's the early 1900s. It's, a, it's the early 1900s. So, like, of course, they're not going to believe a woman. Basically, he, he keeps saying this was her decision. She wanted these things to happen. And they're kind of like, OK, well, then she's crazy, which is fine. Maybe she's crazy. But if she's crazy, why didn't you help take care of her? Why didn't you take her to the hospital? Yeah. And he says, well, I trusted the servants. They said that she was okay, and I trusted the servants. And they're award winners. Yeah. So I'd like to read more of the interview with Marcel. What I'd like to do is I'll be the detective and you be Marcel. Okay. So I'm Q and you're A. You're Q? Did you just submit to being Q? <laughs> It'll be easier for you to remember that way because it's the same and Qu- translation. Quinn. Okay, great. Here we go. I will be playing the role of Marcel, 
And I will be the investigator. <laughs> and action. Action. You must not have forgotten that you were dealing with a mad woman. All the more reason to impose care on her, which moreover she accepted with pleasure at the hospital. I trusted the servants. Your sister was well fed, if one can say that, of a person who is offered something without being checked to see if she has eaten it. That was the maid's duty. Did you sometimes go to see your sister? Yes. Sometimes I tried to distract her, but conversation was difficult. In her moments of lucidity, what did she say? I can only say this. Often I asked my mother to put my sister in a nursing home near the window. I would read the Journal de la Vigne. I was never disturbed by the odor. What? I'm sorry. I just, he was never disturbed by we'll the odor? We'll get to that. We'll get to that. You say that you suggested to your mother that she put your sister in a nursing home. Why didn't you take action? I, I insisted so much that my mother threw me out. How did you get along with your mother? I had a great filial respect for her, but there were always conflict between us, sometimes about money matters, sometimes about my sister. You gave in to your mother, but weren't there some ticklish questions? I am too high-minded to stoop to such baseness. You are blamed for never having tried to resolve your sister's situation. You decided to let her stay, moaning on a filthy dung heap. I've never had anything but feelings of affection and devotion to my sister. So that was part of the interrogation when they talked to him. Then, obviously, this went to court, and I just want to read a little bit more of what they said in court, and then we'll end the chapter of Marcel. It emerges from testimony of several witnesses that your sister often was heard screaming and pleading, including clear mention of the words such as police, court, freedom, and also prison. On August 16, 1892, Monsieur Jacob heard the following words, What have I done to be locked up? I don't deserve this horrible torture. God must not exist then to let his creatures suffer in this way, and no one come to my rescue. All these screams had no meaning in my sister's mouth. These words have no value. She only said them at moments of crisis and madness. She never called for help or demanded her freedom in front of me. I simply noted that she used very foul expressions during her fits of anger, notably the word shit. (laughs) She seemed to be talking to an imaginary being. It was impossible to make her see reason. The more one talked to her, the more she flew into a rage. How do you explain that this overexcitement and rage suddenly stopped as soon as your sister was admitted to a hospital to be replaced by a calm that has not wavered for a moment? It's probable that the great emotion she experienced delivered a salutary shock to her madness. He's, wait, so he's theorizing that Leaving the house shocked her so much that it cured her madness? Or changed her madness, maybe? I'm not sure, but he's he basically and the mom are like, she's crazy. And you're like, yeah, okay. That, what, you can't keep her in a shithole. Literal shithole. A literal shithole, and she's not eating. And you just keep bringing more food into the room and leaving it in the room. You know? Yeah. Like there's like shells and bones everywhere from the food she's being brought. Like it's just never clean. They're never cleaning up after her. And then they're being like, she doesn't want us to. It would be I mean, it's it's like taking care of a baby or something where you're like, sometimes your baby poops. It doesn't mean it wants to sit in its shit the rest of the day. You change the diaper. It's oh, like she's so a crazy she's person. They needed to take care of her. 25 years. And you, there's no way to know if she started crazy or it was there. It's like what came first, the chicken. Or, the thing is, is 25 years in solitary like that is enough to drive someone fucking crazy. Well, I think it's also a case of the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because I think Marcel and Madame Monnier are not the most level-headed people. Mm-hmm. Remember Marcel says in the interview that he didn't mind the smell. Yeah. Well, do you think this is just like a, a the aristocrats like cuz it's just like incest? Are they all like related to each other? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I don't think so, but I do think something's really wrong with them. Marcel used to not like his bed sheets changed and he liked a thick layer of dust to be on all his stuff. He also This was like back when they used chamber pots and he kept one in the middle of his room and did not like it to be emptied until it was almost overflowing. And he even went to the trouble of getting a larger one 
so that it would be in there longer and would be changed less. He also, this is so gross. Ready? He put the chamber pot next to his wife's bedside after he'd fill it and he'd close the window. Oh, so, so that, that he would like bake smell. the room in the smell so that when she I was like, oh, here's a treat for you, honey. I really need you to smell this deuce I just made. I'm going to like let it marinate for a while for you. Ooh, so vile. I mean, listen, I don't think France smelled particularly good at this time of the world. Like what happened with like royalty is they would have those huge hoop skirts and they would just shit. <laughs> and... <laughs> The maids would just, like, clean up after them. So, like, people would be walking and, like, peeing and shitting. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds so fun. (laughs) Just, like, shitting and pissing everywhere. And then the maids would be like, oh, we have to clean it up. The royalty. So, like, the big hoop skirts allowed them to just shit freely. I love that. So you would just be talking to somebody and you'd be like, I have a secret. And then you'd, like, move your hoop skirt. Actually, sidebar. I know of a story of someone that... You just sidebarred your sidebar. It's okay. I have to do it because it's so good. They were in a... They were in... I think it was The King and I or it was Sound of Music, but it was with a bunch of kids. And they were in a huge hoop skirt. So it probably was King and I. And they were singing and they had to pee and they were on stage. And they just peed. And and they were the kids were going in a circle, so nobody knew. And it was a raked stage. <laughs> so during the play, she peed and then blamed it on the kids. <laughs> All right, that is my side. That was no, your sidebar square. That's my sidebar sidebar. Well, Marcel used to. Shit in a bucket, keep it as long as possible, save it for his wife. I just, I have two words that guy's for got you, a kink. Marcel. That you guy's got nasty. A fucking kink. <sighs> so Marcel and his mom don't get along. He once picked a flower from her garden, and a very scandalous <laughs> fight ensued. They ended up hitting each other. <laughs> they don't get along. He once stole a flower from well, her that's garden. That's not cool. She, you know, they hit each other about it. So. I, to me, it's like when a kid hits a parent, that's not good. But when a parent, uh, they hit each other, it's like, you're not equal. One's a parent, one's a child. Okay, moving um, on. I, he's an adult when this happened. Oh, I thought he was like a little no. kid. You know what? Mom's got that garden. So she ends up, they physically fight all the time. She throws him out. He doesn't return. Obviously, his claim is that he wanted Blanche sent to somewhere where she'd be in assisted living and the mom refused. I mean, lucky him. He doesn't live there. So at least there is some, like, plausible deniability where it's like it wasn't his house. He knew about it. So they're in court and Marcel's like, the only reason, like, you'd have to be crazy to decide to stay in solitary confinement over agreeing to break up with someone. Like, basically, if the mom was like, you're not allowed to leave the house unless you break up with him. And then she's like, fine, then I won't leave the house. He's like, see, so she's crazy. They thought she was so crazy that maybe they would imprison her. So they were also like saving her. Um, And he's like, you know, she never tried to escape or anything. She just decided to stay in that room. Let's talk about the mom. The mom is 75 years old at the time of her arrest. And she's known through town as that woman that kind of wears a, a black bonnet with lace and she is not very beloved. She's respected, but, like, people are like, she's kind of rude. She's kind of harsh. Her personality was described by people in the town as irritable and authoritarian. So she does not sound like a picnic. So the maids are all testifying, and they're it's kind of that's where it gets a little weird because they're all saying things that don't match up. They're all saying different things. I think no one wants to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, one maid is like, listen, she ate all the same food as her mom ate. She just saved it. She didn't really eat it. And so we were giving her this really good food, which I mean, there were oyster shells in her room. It wasn't they weren't not giving her food. Oh, that sounds good right now. I would love to get some oysters. Can't wait. Oh, can't wait. The mom was also giving the maids sugar water and telling them to make sure Blanche drank it and they'd make her drink it. Like they'd offer it, offer it, offer it till it was drunk. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was to keep her alive because she was so malnourished. Yeah. Anyway, the servants said that in 1882, she would still come down to the dining room, 
but that she would think that she saw ghosts and she would yell things. She would yell murder and like people would hear it on the street below. So they were like, ooh, we should shut the windows because people are hearing this woman yell murder all the time. She's also was walking by the windows naked a lot. So the idea was let's just board up the window so no one can see that she's naked in the room. This is a lot of, like, putting Band-Aids on things that they're not really getting to the core. Well, the some issue. of them are like, look, we asked to clean the room. And the mom said no. But the mom, when they ask her, they're like, so the maids say they asked to clean the room and you wouldn't let them. She said, well, yeah, I don't trust them. They're all hussies. <laughs> <laughs> oh and she's like, I told Blanche to leave. I encouraged her to leave. She just never would. And it all began in 1972 when Blanche had a fever and I, you know, I told her to sleep it off and she just never wanted to get out of the bed again. But, you know, I took care of her really well till her dad died. And then um, she just went a little crazy after that. Wow. At the time this happens, there's a law about providing proper care and food to anyone under the age of 15. But that law weirdly was not extended to people that have uh, mental issues. Wow. But they still find the mom guilty. Okay, good. Yeah, they imprison her in 1901. She throws a total tantrum about it, gets super sick, and dies. She's, like, in jail a couple weeks, and she just fucking drops dead. Marcel is convicted, but he's later acquitted on appeal. He's deemed mentally incapacitated, and they basically find that something called duty to rescue didn't exist in the penal code at the time with sufficient rule enough to convict him. So he's sentenced to a year in jail, but he is a lawyer. He knows how to protect himself. He appeals the charges. He's able to go free. I do think it's weird he's a lawyer. Because isn't that the thing that... That's the thing the mom was like, like, don't don't marry marry a a penniless lawyer. lawyer." But maybe she... You know, she did hate Marcel. So maybe she was like, don't marry a guy like your brother. If he's penniless because he can't afford his own flowers. (laughs) He's got to (laughs) go stealing flowers from the garden. So Blanche, upon arrival to the hospital, she has like a ball of hair. Like, you know what I mean? Her hair is so gross that it's just like a heavy ball. It was a meter in length. (gasps) And they had to like cut it out. And she... Her hair smelled so bad that the doctors that were in charge of, like, cutting it smoked cigarettes, like, chain-smoked while they were cleaning her and cutting her hair because they wanted to cover the smell of the hair. <gasps> like, the hair smelled so bad, they were like, let's just chain-smoke. Um, what is France? Her, like, fingernails and toenails are all, like, long. They had to teach her how to use a toilet. Like, she had to be potty trained as an adult. And she sort of just behaved like a kid. She never, like, acted really violent or lashed out or anything. She, Like they said, she was really calm she was and docile, felt like she'd been but... saved. Yeah. Um, and when they would bring up her brother or her mom to her in conversation, she'd be like, please don't bring them here. Oh. When she, they told her her mom died in prison, she said calmly, I want a party. Oh, that's so <laughs> creepy. That's so, so creepy. creepy. Obviously, she never saw her lover again and um he had died actually in 1885 whether or not she was crazy prior to this she was in solitary confinement for 25 25 years so she was legitimately absolutely insane when she got to the hospital but it's not clear when she lost her mind she was diagnosed with anorexia schizophrenia exhibitionism and coprophilia which that's when you're kind of turned on by duty i think Copperphilia is when you're turned on by shit. Poor David Copperfield. <laughs> that guy has a really unfortunate name. Well, that's obviously what Marcel had, too. It's just a family that likes the duty. Wow. She lived in the psychiatric hospital for the rest of her life, and she died wow. like 12 years after they found her. Okay, I'm glad she had some peace for 12 years. What is the photo? Oh, my God. Okay, I'll show it to you. What is it? Oh, I'm so nervous. That's her. Give me. So it's a picture of her when they found her. It's her in her bed. <gasps> oh, God. And it's just like she's these so are the younger pictures severely of her? emaciated and like she looks totally her hip barely bones. human. It's wild. Oh, my God. Who does things like that? Uh, Madame Monnier 
Demarque or whatever. Demarcone, which I think is the name of the evil stepmom in like Cinderella. I bet it's fucking based on this. Definitely. Definitely they based Cinderella on this story. And that is the story of Blanche Monnier. Well, thank you for sharing. Welcome. What's the story today? The story today is about Belle Gunnis. I got it from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, Biography.com, Sci-Fi, Legends of America, and Mental Floss. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Belle Gunnis is born in Norway in 1858, and you really don't need to know much about her early life except she ends up moving to the U.S. in 1881. So she's had a life, this woman. She's had two husbands. Both of them died um, she has four kids. Two of them died in, in infancy, so she only has two remaining kids. She has an adopted daughter, Jenny, and she moved to Laporte, Indiana. A little bit about her backstory amongst that is at 22, she was in Chicago. She meets her first husband, this guy Mads Ditley Anton Sorensen. They had the four kids, and then obviously two of them died, and then they adopted another kid. In 1895, they had a candy store that I guess wasn't doing very well, and that burned to the ground. So that was no good. And then in 1900, five years later, one of their houses burned down as well. And then also in 1900, he died. Her husband died. Okay. So it's a lot of bad luck. A lot of bad luck. So then she gets some insurance money. She buys this huge farmhouse in Laporte, Indiana. There she sees this guy, Peter Gunnis. They end up merging families. A week after their wedding, his seven-month-old daughter dies. And then in December, he... Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do they get any money when she dies? Yes. Some life insurance. Okay. Just asking. You're asking Gunnis, I, no. I'm looking at you. I'm Belle. giving you a story. <laughs> I'm trying to make it interessante. So then... They get married. A week later, his seven-month-old daughter dies. There's some life insurance. I don't know why anyone... Do you have life insurance for your kids? No, that's like putting a target on your back. Weird, right? I don't want Koa to find out and murder me. Exactly. Well, Or like or tar- give, buy life insurance for him. Oh. No. No. So in December, Peter Gunnis, he dies. Do you know how he dies? A meat grinder falls on his head. Oh. So he dies. So she's like... By herself, she has these two remaining kids, this one adopted kid, and she hires some farmhands to help her and all that stuff. But, you know, she's pretty lonely. So in 1905, she puts an ad in the paper looking for love. Belle says, personal, comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in Laporte County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Oh, triflers need not apply. Isn't that the greatest part of that letter? So the post guy at the time was like she was getting a ton of letters. There was like eight letters a day. She had visitors all the time, like once a week, different man every week. And she would always introduce them as their cousin, as her cousin. And they would like be separated from her kids. Like she didn't want her kids to see them. All the while, she had this farmhand, Ray Lamphier, who was pretty poor, but he was helping on the farm because again, she was by herself and they ended up having an affair. But again, too poor, not good for joining fortunes. So they just were fucking. (laughs) So... Ray ends up getting fired, and in 1908, there was this new farmhand. She fires Ray. She fires Ray because I guess she fell for a guy. Long story. I'll get into it later. But in 1908, she has this new farmhand, Joe, and Joe one night wakes up, and he smells smoke coming from the farmhouse. And he's like, oh, that's fucking crazy. What's going on? Oh, my God. It's a fire. It's a fire. And so he... (laughs) It's a fire. And so... He comes out, he's like knocking on the door, no answer, because it's like almost like a duplex, it sounds like, but their houses are connected. So he's trying to get Belle and then the two kids out of there, Mm because the adopted daughter at this point had gone to college. And so he's trying to get them out. He grabs an axe. He tries to, you know, bust open the door, but he's not getting a response. So he has no choice but to leave the premises. And the whole house is burnt to a crisp. By the time the coroner comes, they have to look through the rubble. And what they find is three burnt bodies in the basement. And the woman's corpse was headless. 
So two of the kids and Belle's so body. So two kid bodies burned two kid up bodies burned and Belle's up. body, no head. No head. Nowhere to be found. That seems really odd. Really strange. So then, of course, the first thing they do is they arrest this Ray Lamphere guy because they're like, they find out that prior to the burning, Ray and her had like issues, I guess, because she was seeing all these guys and he was jealous. And so she ended up filing a couple police reports against him. and was like, he's super crazy. He's stalking me. He's like insane. So they immediately arrest him. So immediately he became prime suspect. In the meantime, this guy, Andrew, was like chatting with her before the fire or whatnot. And he was from South Dakota. And in the letters to him, she was like, yo, 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 don't tell anyone, but you should come over and visit LaPorte, Indiana, visit my farmhouse. His brother found out and had some correspondences with Belle. And she was like, oh, he left. He's probably in Norway. He is not here. So when Andrew's brother finds out about this fire, he's like, I have to go just like see if my brother's there. So he goes and he talks to the police and like, you can go over to the fire. And so he starts rummaging through in like the rubble. And with the new farmhand, Joe, the guy that tried to get them out of the house, he's trying to get through and maybe try to find his brother's remains. He just doesn't know where he is. And... He ends up being fruitless in his search of the fire in the house. He turns away and he's like, you know what? Something just doesn't feel right. And so he goes back over to Joe and he's like, hey, Joe, do you know of any fresh like soil that's been put down in the last year? And Joe's like, funny you mentioned it. It's like 50 feet away over there by the hogs. Yeah, it was like there were some dips in the ground and she asked me to level it out. So I did. So... Andrew's brother's like, okay, cool. So he goes over there. He, he takes a shovel. He's like, he's like, what did Belle say it was? She said it was trash. She was like, this is just garbage, but it's like composting, right? So it's, it has a depression in the in the land. So he's like, I'm going to go dig up over there by the hog's den. The hog's, what, it starts with an H. I don't have. Anyway. So, I would call it a pig pen. Pig pen? But we got to go hog. I like, a hog feels more aggressive. Hog house. Hog house. Hog hut? Hog hut? I don't know. Hog hotel. <laughs> It's a hog hotel. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, and so they start digging this depressed hole and they get a layer of trash and they keep digging and they find a burlap sack that has the remains of this guy's brother in it. The body is chopped up. Oof. Not what you want to find. That is not what you want to find. Although I'm glad to find some resolution of like, where the fuck is my brother? The burlap sack has Andrew's hands, his two feet, and his head, not his torso. Oh, interesting. So then they're sitting around the Hog Hotel and they look around and they notice there are 12 other depressions 12 in the area they start digging up those holes and they also find bodies in every single one of those holes all of them were cut up so they call the police and they start putting this together they found that all of the bodies were dismembered into like six separate parts not all of them could be id'd some of them were doused with click quick lime to speed up the decomposition Mm -hmm. and most of the heads showed trauma and also there was some strychnine or there was some rat poison also so she's in all the poisoning bodies. people. She's whacking people on the head. She's exactly. burying them in the hog hotel. So they quickly find out that this personal ad that she put out and being like, you must come visit and I want to join fortunes. She was getting <gasps> all of these people to come to her farmhouse, having them withdraw all this money and then killing them. Oh, interesting. So remember how I told you her first husband died and you're like, life insurance? Her first husband, she ends up marrying the two kids that died in infancy. Both of them died from like acute colitis. The same symptoms could be said for rat poisoning. Ah. And she ended up having life insurance policies on her children. Don't do that. Also, when her husband died... He was in between two life insurance plans. And the day he died is the one day that the life insurance policies overlapped. So she she got got two life insurance policies out of her first husband. Well, well planned. Well played, Belle. The second husband 
the meat grinder in his head, apparently her adoptive daughter was like told a school friend and was like, don't tell anyone my mom. There was a cleaver. He like died via cleaver. She's like, don't tell anyone. Little Jenny, her adopted daughter. She knew. That's weird. Little Jenny, her adopted daughter, who she said went to college in California. They found her in the pen. Oh, no. They found her decapitated body in the pen. So she just kills her kids. She kills her. She kills. She's a serial killer. She just killed. Yeah, but you see serial killers all the time that go home and have like a, quote, normal life where they're like, but not my wife and kids. It's really wackadoodle do to have uh, this woman burying a bunch of her babies in a hog hotel. Totally. And so through finding out everybody her death was like tragic her kids were dead and the town mourned them and then all of a sudden all these dead bodies were coming to light and you found out a little bit more about how crazy psycho this person was where was she while they were like digging up hog hotel remember her uh, her, quote decapitated body was found in the burnt yeah all right yeah i'll get to that so obviously money was a priority so that triflers need not apply was taken seriously. So here are some things that she wrote to a potential suitor. She wrote, I- I've picked out the most respectable and I've decided that yours is such. If you think that you are able in some way to put up $1,000 cash, we can talk matters over personally. So this guy, Andrew, the brother who came and discovered his body, they corresponded with like 80 letters and... She was always like, don't tell anyone about this. Like, we want to be like, don't tell anyone, not even your nearest friends. Here's what she said. To the dearest friend in the world, no woman in the world is happier than I am. I know that you are now to come to me and be my own. I can tell from your letters that you are the man I want. It does not take one long to tell when to like a person. And you I like better than anyone in the world I know. Think how we will enjoy each other's company. You, the sweetest man in the whole world. We will be alone with each other. Can we conceive of anything nicer? I think of you constantly. When I hear your name mentioned, and this is when one of the dear children speaks of you, or I hear myself humming with it words of an old love song. It is beautiful music to my ears. My heart beats in wild rapture for you, my Andrew. I love you. Come prepared to stay forever. So she's like convincing him to come with her, to come be with her. And ever, and ever. Forever, forever. And to take all of his money out of the bank. Mm. So he came in 1908, shortly before the fire. He did not tell his brother where he was going. And at this point, she like apparently kicked Ray out because this guy was coming and then Mm -hmm. Ray got pissed. And that's what she was saying, that they fell in love. But he pulled out his certificate of deposit, this Andrew guy, for $2,839. By the way, this is in 1908. So that's a billion dollars. This Ray Lemfer who was arrested, obviously I mentioned that he was like, she was saying he was stalking her, all this stuff. His account is that he knew nothing of this. But he did not kill anyone. He was like, I was around the house. I saw it was smoking, but I actually didn't call the police because I knew she was like starting this campaign against me and I didn't want to be accused of it. And right before her death, she ended up writing a will with a lawyer being like, I'm really afraid this guy's going to hurt me. I need to write a will. So she was like fucking laying out a story that he was attacking her. So the day before the fire... She made up a will. She got a big cake, a toy train, and two gallons of kerosene. That's a weird shopping list. She made her family a very large meal of meat and potatoes. and She played with her kids and the toy train all night. And then the next thing you know, there's a decapitated body and the house is burned down. Well, fill in the blank. Fill in the fucking blanks. So she, like I said, she lured bachelors with the newspaper ads and she would seduce them into giving over their life savings. And then once she had the cash on hand, she killed them and they were never seen from again because a lot of them didn't tell their family where they were going because she was like, it must be a secret. How romantic. Sometimes she fed apparently parts of the men to the hogs. Okay. Weird choice, but gets rid of it. Yeah, but sounds about right. So she went from this heroic mother to, like, protecting her children and dying with them to this, like, horrible serial, serial killer. They called her the, the Indiana Ogress. They called her the female Bluebeard. 
They called her Lady Macbeth and also Hell's Bell. I like Hell's Bell. Hell's Bell. Her garden was called the Horror Farm or the Death Garden. Really? Not Hog Hotel. It wasn't indicative of the death that was there. Mm. When the hogs were there, it was considered the Hog Hotel. But afterwards, Death Garden had a better ring to it. Mm. So I don't know about that, but go word on. Word spread so wide that 20,000 people showed up to watch them dig up the bodies and watch. Vendors came. They sold ice cream. They sold popcorn, cake, and a thing called Gunness Stew, which like some marketing guy in 1908 was like, let me profit out of this and made a meat stew and would sell it to people as they're digging up dead bodies. I'm going to list the possible victims. And this is a list based on who they ID'd, but also people who were like, I found letters of this guy going to Indiana and I never heard from him again. Christy Hilkfin of Wisconsin sold his farm in 1906 to go live with her. Olaf Jensen, he wrote to his family that he was moving to Indiana to get married. Ollie Budsberg, Thomas Lindbow, Henry Gerholt, Olaf Svenhurd, John Moe, Olaf Lindblom, Benjamin Carling, George Bradley, Bert Chase, John H. McJunkin, Frank Reidlinger, Emil Tell, Lee Porter, John Hunter, Abraham Phillips, T.J. Teiflund, Charles Nieberg, the adopted daughter, Jenny, and then the two kids, kids the two kids that she had from childhood, and then, and then the two kids that she killed. They ended up testing a lot of the tissue, and they noticed that in conjunction with blunt force trauma was the rat poisoning, as I said earlier. They tested the kids in the fire, some of their tissue, and they also found the same rat poison that she used on her other victims. Okay. So Ray, who was arrested for the fire and murder, he was no longer tried with the murder of them, but he was only tried with arson for burning down the farm. So they still are trying to charge him with something. Why? That's so weird. Well, isn't it just obvious at this point that, that any shenanigans her? are... Well, they did never found her head, Belle's head. However, they found her dental bridge that was left nearby. So they concluded that it was her dental records that they were like, oh, this is Belle. Oh, interesting. But people are like, she fucking ripped that shit out. She ripped her teeth out and she's... Exactly. Headed and, to Bermuda. And... The closer to this, apparently she, like, reached out to a housekeeper who came who was, like, a foot shorter than her. This woman was, like, six feet tall, 250 pounds. And the body, I think, they think was, like, five feet tall and matched maybe the housekeeper that she called for. That's, like, unsubstantiated, but I wouldn't put it fucking past her. So, of course, she's been seen across the country since then, or people claim to. By the way, just to clarify, after they buried everything up, only 14 bodies could be pieced fully together, but there were extra parts here and there. And so they think it could be as many as 40 people that she killed. Ray still has to stand trial for burning down the farmhouse for arson. This is fucked. He was convicted of burning down the building, and he was sentenced to 21 years in prison. Fuck that. And he was like a poor guy. He was an alcoholic. Like, he didn't have a great reputation around town, but he was like her fucking sex fuck buddy. And then she attacked him. Within the year, he confessed to a pastor that he ended up, he did witness the murder of Andrew and that he helped her bury the body. And when he asked for hush money, she fired him. And the report of him, quote, stalking her was him going back to pick up his personal belongings. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of created this whole situation around him. In 2008, they ended up exhuming the body of the decapitated corpse that was found in the house. And they tried to run DNA on it with a postage stamp that they know belonged to Belle. But the DNA was so corroded, like, it wasn't, they didn't have enough of a match. Mm. So they can't substantiate that it actually was her. I do not think it was her at all. Only thing they had was this dental bridge, which wasn't even her I'm fucking... sorry, like, a head does not go missing. That's no, not a thing. it's not a fucking thing. In 1931, they think she moved to L.A. and she changed her name to Esther Carrison, who was arrested in L.A. in California for poisoning this guy August Lindstrom, a Norwegian-American man. And a lot of her... The people who she killed were from Norway, like, so she knew the native tongue. She kind of knew how to court them. So this would be consistent with what her practices had been. So this woman, um, Esther Carlson, poisoned this guy, August Lindstrom, a Norwegian-American man, um, in 1931 for his money. So again, 
the same sort of situation. Two people that had known her, had known Belle Gunness, claimed to recognize her from the photographs. So they were like, that's fucking Belle. Although it was never proven. This woman, Esther Carlson, she died three months later while awaiting trial. So there's no way to know. Oh, it was totally her. Her. I mean, I would love to think that it was her because I would love a little bow. Yeah, you want a bow on it. Yeah. But this is a crazy serial killer. I'll give killer. you a bow. It Thank was fucking you. It her. was fucking Esther. So this... Belle Gunness turned into Esther Carlson in L.A. and she killed a guy with the same poisoning and people saw the picture. They were like, it's her. If you say it with confidence, it's true. It's true. Such garbage. <laughs> She's fucking crazy. She was like a big girl, too. She was like fucking taking bodies and dismembering them into six parts, putting them in a bag. By the way, that's what I've heard, too, is when you bury bodies... It become, you burn a ton of calories. You burn a ton of cows. It's you can equal eat what, to a 60-minute Zumba class. You can eat whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Wow. Thanks for telling that story. I'm sorry it was filled with uh, extraneous drama. Dear readers, oh, care. while Carrie was telling that story, Matt brought in the baby and I breastfed. And then the baby shat all over me, all over my leg, all over the beanbag. We had to take everything out of the room, clean it, and I'm now sitting on a bed. We will send it. We'll show you a picture of it, dear readers. Question. You don't want to see a picture of I that. want to see. You look like the princess and the peak because, like, you oh, are right literally now. I thought you meant of the shit storm no, that happened. I didn't take a picture of the shit storm. I tried to help <laughs> your baby. I would have been like, what are you doing? Quinn is literally are sitting you a, on. Are you Marcel Monnier? What do you love, duty? We love, what is it? We're Copperfielding. No. <laughs> <laughs> Copperphilia. You are sitting on one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven pillows. And I feel like I could use a couple more if I I'm think honest. You could too i i don't doubt it and also as promised dear readers we need to read the poem that your mom sent oh yeah so dear readers this this might qualify as an out-of-date update but for carrie and i we haven't seen each other since we got a new president (sighs) and my mom did send me a poem um and here's how it goes it's by sheila dershowitz good night loon good night goon Good night, nastiest man in the room. Good night, lies. Good night, spies. Good night, rants and alibis. Good night, Twitter. Good night, tweets. Good night, all those crazy bleats. Good night, red hats. Good night, cruel chants. Good night, sniveling syncophants. Good night, wall. Good night, cages. Good night, endless midnight rages. Good night, fine people on both sides. Good night, losers. Good night, suckers. Good night, evil, nasty fuckers. Good night, Ivanka. Good night, Jared. Good night, Baron. We hardly knew ya. Good night, thief. Good night, grief. Good night, cruel and callous chief. Good night, fake news and fox and friends. This is how the nightmare ends. Good night at last. It's time to go. The American people told you so. Amen. Amen. I don't think I felt, I felt relief when Biden was nominated or when um, he won that fateful Saturday and yesterday felt like Christmas. It felt like I was texting my mom and my brother and I, I just, I, I know I'm not naive to think that one person can fix everything. I know that in my heart. And I, and I know that there are things that I'm going to disagree with Joe Biden on, but I, what I do have faith in is that he is a decent man who will do the best he can for this country and not serving himself. And to have that back in the leadership position in the White House, like, I can't stress enough how grateful I am that, like, kindness, empathy, and decency have a place once more in our country. See, and I can't help but wonder, is Joe just the common man? (laughs) 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 Ha 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 ha